I'm from the 101st Airborne Infantry, the Screaming Eagle Division. The Army-Navy Screen Magazine have asked me to sit in on a film they're making about Bastogne. I guess I'm supposed to tell you what it was like up there in Belgium during the big German winter offensive, their last defensive of this war. Uh, as small as a Bastogne pocket was, it's impossible for a guy like me to tell you the entire story. And the films we have just aren't enough. You see, the cameramen were so busy at the time, banging away with their carbines and their M1s, that they just couldn't film everything. But anyhow, let's have a look at it. Okay, let it go. Do you buy your thermos, sir? Is that a challenge? Do you buy your thermos? Fine, let's have a duel. Challenge accepted. If you wanna, wanna, wanna come over. If you wanna, wanna, wanna go live. If you wanna, wanna, wanna come over. If you wanna, wanna, wanna go live. If you wanna, wanna, wanna come over. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Do It or Else podcast. I am one of your hosts. I'm Dustin. And I'm the other one, Ryan. And if this happens to be your first time listening, we are a weekly challenge podcast. Hey. Yeah, it's a weekly challenge podcast where each week we come up with something stupid and we do it and then we talk about it and we review it. So you don't have to. Yeah. This week, we didn't do something, like, I, we, we did something smart. We read a book about history. Read so a it's historical like, we don't, piece of work. A yeah, piece of we, history. We, we do stupid things often. But this was a smart thing that we did. I'm proud of, pat ourselves on the back for being smart. I'm still recovering from that skateboard one. <laughs> You're, uh, yeah, go back and listen to the drop-in on a skateboard episode. Uh, Ryan hurt his foot. You want to tell us your recovery? Uh, I don't know what happened that was bad. We've talked about it a bunch of times since then. But I was able to do some yoga this week without it really, really, really hurting. So, what was that, 13 months later, I'm, I'm going to call that a win. That is a good. That is good. We should start. We should start off each episode with a. a let's. Ryan tells us a win. Tells yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. That's yeah. a and and I'll and I'll like have a that's little definitely thing to, a win. And that's yeah. a win. And that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> but like you thought your toe bent back, like it was a toe that led to a larger foot injury. Yeah, something like that. I think I tore some tendons on the top of my foot because mm. my toe went back so far uh but now it's feeling i'm, I'm gonna give it a 75 percent, and that's a win <laughs> how about you dustin you got any wins this week uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny how about you that's you got a win? win um i got a win from over the weekend i ran another trail race oh you um, did another one i did another trail race. 100 miles through the the sleet and snow again yeah, this was a half marathon. Woo. Um a little less than a half marathon, about twelve miles, excuse me. And um the race was in Helen, Georgia, and I took a wrong turn. Uh and I did I took a wrong turn. I had my head down, I was just like you know, I was running, I was breathing hard, I was tired, and I turned when I should have gone across the street, I turned right at a street. Um, and there's a volunteer right there. 
and I didn't hear anybody. I didn't, I'm not running with headphones in. I'm not running with music. Like no one said wrong way, buddy. I mm. I just was running, and then all of a sudden I was by myself. Like no flagging, no signage. I was like, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. And I ran an extra mile and a half or so, uh, but still placed decently. Uh, but I was very upset but i finished and that's a win i lowered my i well, no, lowered my a, average a, pace okay from 14 to about like 10 50 and you took a 12 mile race and made it a proper half marathon and, yeah and you know what and that is that's a, win. That's, that's a win. win and that's a win all right guys <laughs> we're about to do interesting facts but first this week's challenge was to read the battered bastards of bastone am i saying that yeah. right dustin what's the author's bu- name uh, George Komisaki. Komisaki. Hey, George Komisaki here. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Koskimaki, excuse me. I'm sorry, George. Koski, Koskimaki. Uh, who was there uh, and experienced it and, and took a bunch of interviews, like hundreds of interview, interviews of this single uh, yeah. kind of battle that- in Bastogne and put it all into this book. And then we'll talk about that, but 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 then yeah. but now, but now, but now, but now it's but time. now, but now, but not yet for interesting facts. I wanted oh. to say that this kind of leads into interesting Does it, facts. Okay, here's it what was I'm about say. George. Is this why worth I picked it? George? Is it's this not, worth yes, it? Yes, it is. Okay, it is because you said this guy was here, and that's true. This guy boots on the ground. Yeah, he was in the Airborne 101st Airborne Infantry. He has two other books about World War II, and this mm-hmm. is like a, a, another one. This is the third in the trilogy, um, right? And he was actually there, so I wanted to get the perspective of someone with boots on the ground as opposed to uh, Stephen Ambrose, who you might remember wrote Band of Brothers. Right. Right? So, I just want you to know where my head was at when I picked this book, okay? That's all. I'm okay. just defending I'm defending where a my head was at. preemptive strike. This is, yeah, this Which, is a uh, defensive maneuver, just uh, letting you know up front. Defense through attack. So, let's talk about the Battle of the Bulge. Battle of the Bulge. Uh, are we, wait, are we going to do interesting bulges? That's the next segment, interesting bulges. Ryan, I'm gonna. I've got a. I've got. I've got a few interesting bulge facts. If you've moved on, haven't you? He he moves on. He does this. He does this. Interesting facts. Ooh. So let's talk about those interesting bulges I was talking about. So I think you picked this book, particularly this time of year, because the Battle of the Bulge uh, was a massive battle that happened this time of year. It started on, I think, December 15th. Yep. Back there in the 40s in WW2. It's or yeah, as this 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 uh is chronicling December nineteenth through January seventeenth. Right, the bulge, yeah. the battle of the bulge started a few days later, but the battles in Bastogne a couple days, a couple days earlier. Right, that makes sense. I said those yeah. words backwards, but I think everybody gets it. So it's the Americans on one side, and on the other you've got Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. This is yep. specifically a plan that came straight from uh, Hitler himself. 
Dude, Big Dog himself was like, I have the best idea. Yeah. And uh, as if you're any student of history, you know when Hitler makes a plan, it's a bad plan. Um, yeah. He pretty yeah. much leaned on the German military, which was like way superior to any other military in the world. And he, he believed it so strongly that he, even his shitty plans in the beginning worked out. But later in the war, when his shitty plans came up against the might of the U.S. war machine, it was no match. And this is a great yeah. example. Yeah. The So just remember in this point, you know, World War II had been going on for a few years. Um, and, uh, you know, Germany had been fighting Russia, you know, tooth and nail. And, um, when the Americans got started getting closer to Germany, like we said, this was like Hitler at peak, probably stimulant consumption, doing all sorts of Coke and stuff like trying to stay awake so he can think about these great plans. And he says, here's the great, here's the best plan. I'm going to take all the tanks I got left. And he was going to do, like, this maneuver all the way from, like, the Ardennes Forest, where this Battle of the Bulge starts. And he was he, he was going to drive all of his tanks, like, straight to the coast. But they didn't have any gas. Like, the, the officials, the German officials were like, no, Hitler, we don't have enough petrol for the Panzer tanks and Hitler's like, we will get the petrol along the way from the tanks and the uh, trucks that we capture. Why did I go Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I feel like Hitler would be a lot more nasally and high. Hey, pitch the Yeah, so sorry, 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 the Russians sorry. are definitely going to beat the Germans at this point. The Americans and the British have conquered all of France at this point and the Holland, Holland like the... Uh, the Netherlands, right? Yeah, um, taking land back. Yeah, and now they're in Belgium. Uh, the front line at this point is in Belgium in the Ardennes Forest, where you'll remember from World War One. this is where the Germans came through in World War One, where there was no uh, defenses. No, no, I'm sorry. No, at the beginning of the war, right? That's how they got in. They just like France walked straight through. Two. Yeah. yeah, they just kind of walked through the Ardennes. Um, and it's important to know about the Ardennes Forest is it's super hilly, it's got no good roads. It's got rivers everywhere. It is not mm -hmm. an ideal place to launch an invasion if there's any defenders there. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. When they start this attack, oh, and they, they they're trying to do this to knock the Americans out of the war quickly. Uh, basically, get back to Paris, uh, demotivate the the Allies so that they can fight Russia alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then they stand. They think they stand a chance against Russia alone, but. Russia and the West, there's no chance. They just try to make a separate peace with the West and finish Russia on their own, uh, which they may have been able to do. That's the crazy stuff about World War II is it was not a sure thing at any point, and especially at this point. Um, so they amass a bunch of armor, just like Dustin said. They, they amassed 1,200 tanks and I think 300,000 men in the Ardennes, and they attack. There's only three American armies um, in that area, and they just sort of blow through them. A few pockets of resistance hold up, um, and while those pockets are holding up, the Americans, uh, Bradley and Eisenhower, send in the 10th Armored Division and the 101st mm -hmm. Airborne Division, right? Yep. And they send them into Bastogne, and those armies get... I don't know if armies the right divisions, but they're, they're basically armies, right, Dustin? They're, these are huge. Uh, like t Total, this is like 60,000 men. This is a huge... 
group of people and overnight these people these armies were basically back in france resting after uh having fought on norman in normandy and in holland previously they were getting re-kitted and overnight they send them in to bastogne which is a uh small city in belgium kind of in the forest there uh but it has good access to all the road networks and they get there before the germans even thought it was possible Mm -hmm. and they put up such fierce resistance that it's ruining the whole plan um this battle line is miles and miles and miles long bastogne is just one point kind of in the center and so what the germans decide to do is go around bastogne and hold the uh, 101st airborne and the 10th armored division pinned there while they uh move forward to the musee i think is how you say the name of that french river Um, you say yeah yeah where they're going to start a new battle line to defend uh basically their their winnings in the war and knock us out they actually do that they pull ahead and you end up with this insane thing so the bulge is a bulge in the american line but inside of that bulge is a pocket and that pocket is this city with these two divisions exactly um it's like an avalanche, and Bastogne is the, the one tree that doesn't fall down in the avalanche. Exactly. So all American forces have fallen back. Um, this takes about, what does it take? About a month where the forces in Bastogne are isolated. Um, eventually, retreating German armies uh, realize that they're, they're, or advancing German armies realize they're not going to win. They're going to get pushed back by more and more American armies that keep showing up. Or divisions that keep showing up. So as they're retreating, Hitler even accepts this himself, which is rare for him. And he orders that on Christmas Day, they attack Bastogne with everything they've got. Yeah, yeah. A Christmas Day attack. Yeah, so it's it's not all quiet on the Western Front. It's, it's hell. Uh, but the 10th Armored Division is able to maneuver within the pocket and get... Uh, basically score a victory or a solid defense against the in incoming Germans on that day. Um, and a couple days later, uh, Patton and his armies come up from the south and yep. leave the city. And uh, then a f- the Battle of the Bulge continues, basically where the line goes back to where it was in the beginning. Um, and Hitler's dastardly plan is dashed. In the meantime, 90,000 Americans die. Yeah. And... Yep. Something like 80,000 Germans die, but they lose half of their armor that existed on, uh, well, the Eastern Front. Yeah. So, fighting the Americans. So, it it basically spells disaster for the German war effort from then on. They use the, it's a terrible attack. It does not work. Um, And fierce resistance from American fighters, particularly in Bastogne, where this book is set. Uh, are kind of the reason. Yeah. Yeah. So this book, though. <laughs> this book. I, I feel like that was useful for people because I think people hear Battle of the Bulge and they're not really sure what it is, and that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it it's it's also very interesting that, you know, it, these guys in World War Two, you know, a lot of the American soldiers – um, like you mentioned before, they were resting, like they were healing from minor injuries. A, a lot of them were. And then, um, 
they were and just taking like leaves all, to Paris and kind of yeah, getting drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were, they were, they were, uh, they had been fighting for a long time. Um, they lost a lot of people. And yeah, and uh, especially the 101st Airborne. It, it's um, the story just about Airborne and how those guys, you know, would do multiple jumps throughout the war into different positions behind enemy lines. And it's like, these, a lot of these guys just, I don't know. It, it's um, very humbling to think of that, that our, our grandfathers, my grandfather fought in World War Two on the, uh, in like Japan. In the Pacific. In the Pacific. But like guys our grandfather's age, they lined up, you know, to go across the seas and and fight. in reading this book, you realize how not particularly professional the American army was. If you compare it to like the current army, um, this is just like a citizen yeah. soldier who's been in boot camp for a couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of these guys had not fought in Normandy and had not fought yeah. in Holland. They were they, replacements. They were replacements. So they were still, so it's just like, at every step along the way, when guys uh, get hurt, uh, new people come to take their place. But also, people need to get promoted because yeah. higher level people get hurt. So you have all these squad level guys who have to get promoted up to battalion and even higher. Um, stepping into so stepping into new level, responsibilities. Yeah, even your low level yeah. commanders are new. And something I learned, which is going to be my interesting fact here from kind of the beginning of the book, was when the 101st was moving into Bastogne. First of all, they learned like immediately that they needed to go. Eisenhower sent the order. They didn't know where they were going or what they were doing. And they didn't, for the most part, have weapons. A lot of them were told to wait before weapons were brought to them. And they're like, no, my the rest of my unit is going. I'm going with my unit. Oh, and you and, remember the bit in the book about the uh, the marching band? Uh, yes. The like U.S. Army marching band had not been able to fight previously and they didn't have weapons but they threw down their horns and just like trusted that they would find one along the way wow well i guess there there's a lot of that there's a lot of uh it's winter time and resources were scarce so like on on all sides you know yeah absolutely um you even reading the the book so it's important to say how the book kind of reads the book is a collection of interviews mashed together um, where you'll get multiple perspectives from the same event. So you'll be reading about this one little fight around a a farmhouse and you'll see it from like the guy who was there, the guy who was on that side of it and the guy who was up on the hill looking down on it and saw it the next morning. Um, (laughs) And it reads a bit like the Bible where you can like, Mm. if you're reading, that's generous. I think it's, I think it's well-written. It is not fun to read. I should say, Um, but it, it, uh, it expands perspective on very specific fights um, and like experiences. So like this one guy's leave to Paris was like this. And this is what these other three guys leaves was like, they happened to be on the same train. They didn't know each other, but like from all these interviews, they kind of compile and piecemeal a jigsaw of a story together. Yeah. Uh, Let's just get down to the brass facts here. 530 people contributed to this book. So that's too many. That's way too many people. The interesting <laughs> fact is that this narrative. guy re- wrote this book 
basically so his like friends that are old could see their stories in the book before they died. Like they, I think that was like in the forward. There, he exactly. was getting flack. He was getting flack from the the survivors of the 101st Airborne. Like, where's the damn book? You George? had written these two other books, but I wasn't in those battles. I was in these later battles. Where's yeah. my experience? Yeah, and uh, so. But. And I think it helped. I think the purpose of this book was to give those uh, men perspective on their role in a much larger. So we started off talking about the Battle of the Bulge. This is just a piece of the Battle of the Bulge. And it's easy for individual uh, moments of that to get lost in the history. So this is uh, an attempt, and I think a, a successful attempt, to like compile those stories of individual uh, war experiences. But it's it's remarkable reading it. As yeah. I was saying about like them being non-professional in the sense that like they, I don't know, they're just not paid fighting men. They don't, they're not well equipped. They're not well trained. They just go with their gut on a lot of things. Yeah. And, like sometimes but, it gets people killed and yeah. sometimes it works out. And like, there's often these situations where they're like trapped in a house and they start running out and like, I don't know. The other two guys fell down. turns out they were dead. Yeah. <laughs> it was like just a whole lot of like, I don't know. Yeah, they, a lot of the, kind of unsureness. For depth, yeah, unsure, and a lot of them joined the airborne because it had a higher pay. Like, oh, you is got, that right? Yeah, you got because you were jumping out of an airplane, you got hazard pay, and it was like, we'll, we'll just say month wise, it was like an extra fifty bucks a month or something like that. Um, well, that's yeah, and an they, they were more fact. aggressive guys. They wanted to get into the fight. Um, yeah, they jumped behind enemy lines, and like on D Day when they all jumped, they scattered all over the place like a little kid throwing a bag of glitter in the air. You know, like mm-hmm. they just went; they were all over uh, mist drops and planes, obviously getting shot down all over the place. But um, yeah, I think the story of the 101st in uh, the European theater is really similar to like the story of the Marines in the Japanese theater, where it was just like mm-hmm. time after time they get thrown into the meat grinder. Other armies are in more like just get lucky, basically. But these these divisions are just fucking destroyed, like over mm-hmm. and over and over mm-hmm. and over. Um, and it was crazy. You know, you you watch Band of Brothers or something like that, and you see man, like, why don't they have coats on? Why don't they have, like, proper winter gear? And it was interesting to read uh, that, like, when they make first contact with the enemy, first of all, they don't know what they're up against. Nobody's given them any intelligence. They just know that they were sent here, and there's retreating American armies that they're stealing gear and stuff from. And Mm -hmm. so they, they get themselves equipped, and they have coats and stuff. But it makes sense. Like, once they get into the fight, they just sort of drop all that stuff but there's no base to go back to. So they'll be just in yeah. the woods and they're like, okay, take off this like coat so I can fight. And then like, I never saw that coat again. That coat got hit by a bomb, like <laughs> yeah, that, by that a, coat a mortar gone. shell. Yeah. And I know they have I, to survive yeah. like another month of December in Belgium. Yeah. In the Belgian forest. Yeah. The, uh, the, the interesting, I thought it was very interesting that the, the Germans actually like timed their, push in this part of the area because of there's like a lot of bad weather and fog mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be or the and the Germans didn't have any more 
Air Force. Like their Air Force is pretty much wiped out at this point, and um, they were going to use the fog to push through with you know their tanks. But that's where our boys in green dug in like an Alabama tick, and they just dug holes in the ground and just took it. Um, Absolutely. And once that dude, fog cleared, though, yeah, boom, they, the American they, uh, Air Corps. here they come. Yeah, it was gnarly. Um, we were talking about interesting facts. Yeah. I think from this book, a specific interesting fact, um, I think the there's a, a, a letter quoted by a German Lieutenant Rockhammer of the German Army that I think, I don't think this person was real. Uh, <laughs> but the Lieutenant Rockhammer wrote on December 22nd um, when the yeah, it German... It sounds like a made-up German name. Yeah, like the German... The Germans were doing pretty well on December 22nd from Lieutenant Rockhammer's perspective. The fog had not yet cleared, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. This time we are 1,000 times better off than you at home. You cannot imagine what glorious hours and days we are experiencing now. It looks as if the Americans cannot withstand our push. Today we overtook a fleeing column and finished it. We overtook it by taking a back road, through the woods to the retreat lane of the U.S. vehicles. Then, just as on maneuver, we pulled up along the road with 80 Panthers. Then came the endless column, driving in two files side by side, hub to hub, filled to the brim with soldiers, and then a concentrated fire from 60 guns and 120 MGs. It was a glorious bloodbath, vengeance for our destroyed homeland. Our soldiers still have the old zip, always advancing, smashing everything. This snow must turn red with American blood. Victory was never as close as it is now. Yeah, he's describing some battle where somehow they have sixty tanks all lined up. Yep, and full 80, infantry, 80, 80. And full infantry, <laughs> and they just destroyed a division all just sort of in one go. And of course, that never happened. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he's very proud of the German advance. And to be fair, the German advance was pretty incredible. Yeah, um, at that stage of the war, nobody thought it was possible. Uh, General Bradley, uh, who was a famous general having fought through Italy uh, with Patton and sort of on his own. Uh, I think early on when told, like, oh, I think we're, they're going to attack through the Ardennes, he's like, let them come. Yeah. Oh, we forgot the coolest thing about Bastogne. The nuts. surrender. The surrender. Yeah, nuts. Ah, oh, nuts. Nut story, we forgot. Justin. So it was going really bad for the American forces and a uh, very confident German uh, commander sent a letter to the uh, U.S. general um, demanding our surrender. Yeah, the commander of the 101st. Yeah, and he sent back a one-word reply. Nuts. Which is just bananas. Like, nuts is the weirdest... It's weird. It's a weird thing to say, right? I think it's just a a time. If like the yeah, it's so forties. It's a it's a yeah, it's very forties. Do you but think it would like if he was like if it was now he would just write back like yeet 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 today <laughs> today it would be bet yeah bet oh I yeah, see yeah yeah I yeah, think like, it would be we bet. have you surrounded we have you surrounded you need to surrender or face total annihilation and he goes bet. Like, bet. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. Cap. Like, 
Uh, but with yeah. nuts, nuts is great too. Nuts Cause is great. like you think like in it's self-flagellating, like, Oh nuts. I spilled the peanuts or whatever. But yeah, in that, in that it's so boy howdy. Yeah. It's like, no, you are nuts. And I, I don't have enough time not, for your shit. It's, so it's not like, even, I don't even think it's that clear. I don't think he, it's not clear what he means to say. It's just sort of infuriating and strange. What if the messenger, like, he's like, do you have a reply, General? And he goes, nuts. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. got it. And, like, immediately yeah. walked out the door. Yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, no problem. I totally get it. Yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. you should say in this situation. <laughs> totally. Like, it's super badass and super weird because he was just, I think it implies, like, hey, man, like, we've got our, our shit under control. I don't know what you're talking about. Good luck. I think it's it's just like this defiant word, like nuts. Like maybe it's uh, I don't know what what's that phrase? Double entendre. Like it means something else in German. If, if it has a phonetic meaning, I'm sure the German <laughs> read it and was just like, "Wait, what? nuts? Can somebody explain this? Who's to me? nuts? Who's somebody his please? nuts? Like an acorn? Like yeah, yeah." <laughs> Well, it's it like it's like scented back with like uh, balls. Yeah. All Gross. right. Let's talk about reading the book. Yeah. The battered bastards of Bastone, part six. I Private wrote it on first. my phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I read it on uh, an iPad. You read it on an iPad. So you bought it from Apple Books also? I actually bought it from uh, Amazon Kindle. Got the Kindle app on an iPad. Okay. Do you own a Kindle? No. So this experience, uh, me and Courtney bought a Kindle because reading a book on my phone, I didn't like. It was too distracting. Sure. Um, This book is hard to procure, and everybody knows in the winter of 2020 entering 2021... We're the in a book shortage. Doesn't the work book shortage. Great. Yeah, well, it's just you can't too, get a book too, in a week. For sure. It's, yeah. Uh, a year ago, you could you could get this book like the <laughs> next day, but it is not a year ago right now. You it's not a high priority book. item. Yeah, they're not like desperately trying to get the Battered Bastards the best known to you. So yeah. I was like, all right, this is so this is my first time reading a book digitally. Is this your first time, or what's your experience with that? No, I've read a few books digitally before uh, on this iPad. Um, I like it. I I uh, enjoy it having you know you got a whole bunch of books. This is I guess before I got into Audible and started driving a lot. Mm-hmm. But you know I got some Brandon Sanderson on here, some Ernest Klein, some Joe Hadleman. I got like some free books from like Sigmund Freud and Ralph Waldo Emerson and. Uh, you sound like a pretty smart guy. Nah, not really. Those books, I was just like, they're free. I wanted to look at them and like, wow. Moving on. Uh, no, no, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> but, so yeah, uh, I like so it. you don't mind the like the bright light or anything. So I hack my iPad system to be grayscale. Okay. So it's and you turn the blue light off, so it it's a little easier on the eyes, but. Let me tell you what, it's hard to stay awake when you start reading. It is hard to stay awake when you're reading on your phone. Or really anything. You just I 
you would not believe how many naps I took this week. <laughs> Reading this book, yeah. I would just be like sitting on a couch <laughs> or in a chair, and then, then I would just be like, well, if I just lay my head down, it would be easier to read. Yeah, I don't want phone neck, so I'm going to lay on my back and hold my phone up above my face. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. Just napping like a mofo. So I'll be honest. I only got 250 pages in. I, I have not finished the book yet. Did you finish it? Nice. I'm at, you win. I'm at 212. Oh, we're bas- that's basically the same place. So yeah. we read at the same pace. I read it, it, every day, but you know, it, it it's a kind of boring book. I'm thinking it's it's feeling like it's getting better, though. So we'll have to report back next week if it improves. Yeah, we'll keep... I mean, so uh, where I'm at, the um, date, because they, they, they write this book by day, and they're working through the timeline. Like, that's all this is. This is a timeline with some small vignettes of, like, people... Well, I remember in that truck where we lost uh, Wagner and old Cobb, like yeah, like in McGillicuddy and old Tommy Two Tones. He used to put two pots of soup on his head and sing a song. Uh Uh, But like, I forgot what I was. What my thing was. It was just like this is this is a series of. and then this happened. Well, exactly. And then this. And, and unfortunately, then this. Uh, by necessity, basically, because if you're trying to create a catalog of like people's experience, you need to set up where everyone is to begin with. And so yeah. the beginning chapters of the book are incredibly boring. They read like the Old Testament, like Job beget Matthew and Matthew yeah. beget Jebediah. And Jebediah, well, Jebediah had two left eyes. And Jebediah, and Jebediah picked up his laundry <laughs> yeah. on this day. Yeah, so it's a lot of just where the 116th Company B is right now, and, which is and where yeah. they deployed. And so it starts really, really like a lot of that, which is just terrible. Yeah. I'm hoping which, there isn't as much later on. This in, I, you know, having watched Band of Brothers and like, Captain, oh, Major Murphy, he had the book. I remember it came out when we were in middle school or something like that. Yeah, Maybe I watched or... Band of Brothers with you in your basement. Yeah. Uh, it was already kind of it, a big, I think. yeah, it was kind of a big deal. Um, we watched and... it in two days. Yeah, that was like a weekend where we just hung out and crushed that. And VHS then we watched Donnie Darko. <laughs> nice. You were, just, you were showing me a lot of things. And then you showed me how to play Call of Duty. You said you throw your grenades first, Ryan. You throw, throw your, your grenades, grenades first. First, throw them around the corner, Ryan. Yeah, bounce it off the wall, Ryan. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Band of Brothers followed Easy Company, which is probably what like 40, 50 guys at the most. Exactly, just a just a company. So I don't... just keeping track of all that made it, made it a lot easier to consume and want to follow that storyline because it was so small like there's Mm -hmm. small number of people this is 500 plus people that he's giving call outs to so no this is this is if you're talking about the 101st and the 10th armored it's 60,000 well and then there's 500 people within that 60,000 that yeah that's what i guess that's what i'm saying but like just like like spread out throughout the people yeah 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 yeah, yeah. which like, like how can you what is like the thing of like the blind guys uh, 
trying to describe an elephant, but they're all standing at a different spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is like Civ five, you know? No, I don't and know what you're saying. Civilization, the Sid Meier's game where like you would it's like yeah, but I can't, conquer, I can't distinguish between Civilization three and Civilization five. It's the most recent one, I think. Civ five is the most recent one. I don't know, okay. maybe there's a six, but whatever. Okay. Dude, it's like if you're tra- playing one of those isometric games where it's like you're God and you're looking down on the world, like you're your map and all your little people, like trying to keep track of 500 people amongst 200,000 people, you know, like all together. Oh, yeah. If you're including the entire wild. effort, wild, yeah, wild, man, just wild, dude. yeah, just bananas. Um, yeah. and yeah, it was all, it was all pretty much shitty and it sucked for everybody and everybody suffered and it was bad, just like all wars. It, you can read how just like shitty it was. People just get shot in the ass and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Well, we couldn't get to him because he was in a ditch." I don't, yeah, yeah. He cried for a few hours, <laughs> and but, then it's but, just like, "Yeah, oh great, that fucking sucks." Some like nineteen-year-old kid is just in Belgium and just got shot trying to run up a hill or something. Yeah, it's horrible. so many. Yeah, so many people getting killed, and yeah. and then you've got like the one guy who is made famous by saying nuts. You know, yeah. like he is, he is, you know, doing the Leonidas versus Xerxes thing, you know, like screw you, all you and your big army, like we're not moving. And like, you know, this was when everybody around them on the Western front was pulling back. So like, do you think there would have been another field commander that would have said, we have to stop now, or would everybody have just continued to keep falling keep falling keep falling like did it was there something special about these guys in particular i think in particularly i i can't say uh, about any regiment in the army but i know that the reputation at the time and the book makes it pretty clear the reputation of the 101st is like one of swagger um they like have some descriptions mm. of like this is the first time we've not jumped out of a plane into a fight this is the first yeah. time we're taking a truck into a fight and the truck drivers aren't part of the 101st they're just truck drivers uh, from some uh, mo- mm-hmm. mobility unit and they're like terrified they're like i, I don't really want to be driving anywhere that the 101st needs to go yeah like, you guys need to get funny. out now kind of thing that's so i think funny. the 101st uh you know because they tuck in their boots and stuff their pants into their boots right there's a special thing that they, they get they're to like do. special they're they're special forces for the time right because now right the 101st are is a ranger division isn't it I believe so. We need to get Major Murphy on here, but I think that's exactly right. I believe that the Screaming Eagles are now part of American Special Forces, which I mean, at the time, you read it's just I, I know yeah. I've said it before, but like planes they, in war were still. It seems novel. like all they know how to do is shoot <laughs> like, and jump out of planes. Like that's about it. Like they don't the 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 officers like if you're going to be dumb, understanding of tactic, but like yeah. the individual soldier, and maybe this is still true. I don't really know. The individual soldier just like I know how to shoot, and I go, I just go where they tell me to go. Maybe that's how it always is. It's got to be forever. We got to get Major Murphy on here and talk about like, you know, the art of war and military history because I know he's a he's a history of uh, historian of war, and he could probably and get. He's uh, airborne, right? Yep. Yep. So he's a uh, he passed his ranger thing. Yep. I don't think he's he was got, ever part of the hundred first. He's got his wings. Yeah. He passed Ranger School. All right. 
So we'll see. Well, does he tuck in his boots? His pants? I don't know, his man. Boots? I bet those those bitches are tucked. He's got some swagger. Murph's He's got, got some, some swagger. Bitchin' britches. All yeah. right. Okay. Major Murphy, uh, this is a shout out for you. Let us Major know. Major Murphy in the reign of think, terror. Do you think? Uh, do you think another army uh, outfit would have would have stood its ground quite like the? 10th armored, Ooh, well, let's, let's talk about this regarding the power of outfits. Okay. There was there. <laughs> what are you wearing? There, there. No, not that dude. Like, so you've got like the Hugo boss, like very chic, modern, like uh shoulder pad Nazis. Right. Well, yeah. And these are and, SS divisions too. These are very good German troops. Yeah. These, these, and Panzer these, divisions. Like these are, these are solid troops. Yeah, this was like uh, Hitler throwing it at the wall. Like this is yeah. the the last ditch. This is you know? the best they have. Yeah, and um, but yeah, like we're we come in and we all look like mechanics, you know, just like we're uh-huh. here to get the job done. Olive drab. Yeah, and um, it's so it's so interesting. Like if you, you took if you took the good guys and the bad guys out of it, and we're just looking at the outfits. And then you have to take Star Wars out of it too, because Star Wars is built off these same outfits, right? The bad guys are wearing the Nazi outfits. No, 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 yeah. I because think the like, German outfits are pretty cool outfits. That's except that's for the, the whole thing. leather trench coats. Those are no, very weird. That's the whole thing. Like when 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 this all was happening, you know, at at the end of World War One is when militaries started to go more functional because at the beginning of World War oh, One they had like feathers saying. on their hats and shit, remember? Like at the very beginning of World yeah, War One they had like helms and stuff. Yeah, they had like horses yeah. and swords and stuff and then the machine gun was invented and then everything changed to be more functional and like right. you're not gonna get caught on the barbed wire. Everything's really tight and tucked in and um and then when it was World War Two, like Hitler was super into symbolism and and imagery and stuff and that's why they put so much effort into these uniforms to look good to like fulfill this like macho like drive that yeah ger- like the fever dream that germany was in at the time you know like if you're a nazi fetish, you're strong yeah. you're if you have this the uniform you are so- yeah 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 crazy shit nietzsche exactly yeah. exactly and ours are we're like you know farmers we're practical yeah very practical very practical um but that did influence uh, movies for generations oh yeah like, i mean if you like look at the Star bad Wars, guys like the, yeah the rebels dress like the american army and the bad guys yeah. dress like nazis or just yeah just like in any movie if there's like a bad if they're trying to make it really clear that these are the bad guys something in their outfits are gonna have like this nazi geometry to him you know like the wide brim weird hats or like the tight skinny riding boots with the poofy pants on the hips you know like that kind of you were talking about world war one helmets and i recently learned about something about world war one helmets uh which falls into world war two helmets not intended to be bulletproof yeah not what they're designed to do uh those so the like a modern military helmet some of those are designed to be bulletproof mm-hmm. but what they're really supposed to do is say you're in a truck or something you get bounced around you're protected in that case mm-hmm. but like in trench warfare artillery is like the main enemy 
and you're not going to necessarily get killed by a shell dropping directly on you. You're going to get killed by a shell hitting the ground, throwing a bunch of shit up in the air, and that shit falling on your head and killing you. Yeah, like a rock hitting you, yeah. So those, like, tin hats that they're wearing, everybody's like, why are they even, like, if you think of, like, how the French and even the Germans are dressed, uh, like, the Americans and the British have those kind of wider-brimmed hats, and Mm. all of that is just designed, they're just different ways of handling stuff falling on your head. Falling debris, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We read a book, and we're talking about war fashion yeah uh but yeah it's it i mean reading this book even though we didn't finish the book it sent me down a lot more rabbit holes regarding world war ii and like i i (laughs) found a a little podcast called like uh history for kids or something it's pretty cute Mm, perfect for you he's like little these like little british kids talking about hitler is a bad man and he sent his evil panzer division the 7th Panzer Division into the Arden Forest is, like, a little five-minute blurb. Pretty silly. That's interesting. Is that a recommendation? No. Cut that out. <laughs> All right. You ready to review it? We read a book. <laughs> review it. Every week on our show, we create a custom review scale to review our custom challenge. No two challenges are alike, and thus no two scales could ever possibly be alike. So, Dustin. Ever. 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 What is this week's scale? So... (laughs) I'm sure... uh, Do you need me to... I thought about this. Um, (laughs) I definitely thought about this. Uh, This book is about Battle of the Bulge. Battle of the Bulge. Oh, shit. Uh, World War II. Uh, This... Happened over Christmas, mm-hmm. and there are how many days of Christmas? Forty-three. No, twelve. Mm, that's right. I was, I was testing you. But in our household, we have like thirty days of Christmas. Thirty plus days of Christmas starts right after Thanksgiving. I don't know about you. Sometimes on Halloween. Yeah, but for yeah, some, when some when folks. when I uh, the day after Thanksgiving, I put up the Christmas decorations. Nice. Uh, um, so twelve on a scale from one to twelve days of I love it bloody Christmas I love it. So this book reads Old Testament. It is uh, it's constantly zooming in and zooming back out and zooming in and zooming back out, and it's just a bunch of old guys recollecting. Uh, what is the word? Recollecting. Reflecting. Re- recollecting. Alright, it's just a bunch of like old guys telling their war stories. Yeah. And you can tell that they aren't super clear, but because enough of them cooperate each other, you're getting a very real picture of the battle. I don't feel like I'm reviewing this book itself. I feel like I'm reviewing the challenge, uh, which was to read the book. Yeah. Um, we both basically failed, Dustin. Neither of us yeah. finished the book. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, part of the challenge was getting to talk about World War II for an hour with you, which I enjoy, right? And I think all men in their thirties enjoy. Um, if you guys want to call me and talk about World War II, uh, you got my number. He'll it's, he'll it's be at Instagram. Hardee's. He'll be at Hardee's every Wednesday yeah, at six in the morning. 
<laughs> World War Two, World War Wednesdays. We're let's, calling it. Let's talk about them. You guys just want to talk about artillery for a minute? You want to talk about tanks? <laughs> you want to talk about airplanes? Or you just want to talk right. about uh, the Russian snipers? Like I'm game. We've got we've got a lot of our we've got a lot on our agenda today, Ryan. We can't just be throwing these extra topics out willy nilly. But uh, I love World War Two. I love talking about World War Two. Um, I also like not losing the thread of the humanity of these men who fought and died or fought and survived uh, these terrible fucked up things we do uh, of wars. Um, mm-hmm. If you watch Band of Brothers, like there's a lot of tragedy in Band of Brothers, but it's still somehow like heroic and grand and a bit glorifying of war. And, and yeah, I'm not one to like steal glory from the 101st Airborne during World War II, right? I think they do deserve some glory, but I, at the same time, struggle with glorifying war for any reason, really. I mean, but I play video games. Like, I get it. It's this, like, constant battle uh, between remembering that it's just death and destruction for no good reason and... Except for World except War for II, II kind of does make sense. It's, like, right? the yeah. most, like, obvious version of, like... Good guys, bad guys. Violence for uh, the ultimate reason, I guess. You know, but like, it didn't have to happen. The Germans didn't have to start it. Exactly. Right? And yeah. uh, the peace of World War One didn't have to be written in such a way to allow for this shit to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It didn't need to happen. But so for that reason, this book is actually super helpful in remembering the individuals. Um and I enjoyed talking to you, so I'm giving this an eight. Nice. I was feeling eight that eight-ish range, that like eight, seven or eight. Um, a little lower for me, probably six. Six just days a, of Christmas. Right there in the middle. Because like I, you know, I would try to read the book and I'd get sleepy and then I'd be like, all right, well. You're like December got, 18th here. We got family coming coming in town. Got a, Got errands to do. Got chores to do. Like. I'll I'll read later tonight, you know, and then I read a little bit and immediately fall asleep. Like, there's worse things. Worse things, you know, getting good night's sleep, falling asleep earlier. Um, the book, yeah, the book is difficult. Was difficult to read. Um, it's a bit of a slog. Yeah. Um, but I think it's uh, making me. Uh, look more into that time and place. Um, but yeah, like you said, talking about World War II is super fun. Um, even just trying to, in your head, connect the dots of like, okay, World War One led to this. How did, how did World War II lead to the Korean War, led to Vietnam War, led to Gulf War? Like, yeah, I don't know. You think about war. You think about the military industrial complex and um, the the human cost. Like the tanks are sweet, the airplanes are badass, explosions are oh fuck yeah, dude. But then like at the end, other end of it is like there's a human tr- getting shredded. You know, it's awful, disgusting. Um, but it 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 does feel righteous when you talk about World War Two, for some reason. Um, and I can imagine 
Right? Yeah, yeah. The behavior of the Germans and the behavior of the Japanese in the 30s and early 40s is is just so insane. Yeah. Just so terrible that I hope uh, I hope that if I ever start acting like that, and if we ever start acting like that, somebody <laughs> comes over and kicks our ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. God damn. Yeah. You uh, you ready to pick next week's challenge? Yeah, let's do it. I am recording. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Every week on our show, we have to pick a new challenge after completing the old challenge. There's only one man, one shining example of humanity that could possibly pick a new challenge for us. And that responsibility falls onto the one and only Ryan Cedric. Ryan, what do you got for us this week? Dustin, I am uh, so thankful to step into the breach here and... (laughs) And provide this for humanity. Uh, it's Christmas time. Uh, it's not, not in the, the city. It's it is Christmas time in the city. All the trees are speckled with snow, and uh, you know we take the ones we love and we we hold them close, and we uh, we remember baby Jesus in his manger. Um, and the. And we have Hanukkah menorah and the candles and the candles the oil. and the, the how the olive oil lasted for extra days and the Maccabeans and all that stuff and, and the Kwanzaa, uh, yeah, the nineteen fifties and sort of don't black know too liberation. Much about Kwanzaa, absolutely. Uh, I know that's a thing. Um, yeah, Boxing Day is after Christmas. It's so a Canadian. That. It's a Canadian thing where I guess they return their stuff. You know. And, They're from the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay. And all okay. of these, all of these, Dustin. <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that because all of these are traditions. Um, oh, tradition! They, they come tradition. and go, right? So sometimes there's there there. It's not tradition time. We're not doing that tradition. But then every now and again, oh, what's going on? What's going on? It's time to do our tradition again. And uh-huh, uh-huh. in that spirit, the McDonald's Corporation, from time to time, um, makes a sandwich. But they don't do it all the time. It's just a it's a limited time little traditional sandwich. The if McDonald's you're gonna Corporation say, if you're gonna say every now and again, don't and you that's do? That's why this week's challenge is if you McRib. Oh, this I week's challenge is McRib. No, not a McRib. This week's challenge is McRib. <laughs> it's McRib oh. challenge. There's the McRib challenge. Yeah, it's the no. McRib challenge. Uh, eat, um, eat forty oh. McRibs. That's the challenge. What? <laughs> yeah, you have to eat forty. Eat forty dollars. Eat one McRib. Eat one. Do I have? Okay. I think you should okay. eat more than one. I think try some McRibs. Yeah, I think the, I think we're gonna have to meet up for this. No, we can't meet up for this. What do you mean? Coronavirus. It's getting too bad. Are you trying to tell me? I can't get in my car, go to McDonald's, you go in your car, you go to McDonald's, and we meet at, like, a park, and we do it cop-style, like, park in opposite directions. Yeah, we can and do like, that. You want to do that? You want to eat McRibs on a on a park bench? 
Oh yeah, like I'll be, I'll be sitting on the park bench in a trench coat, and I'll be like, "Do you got the McRibs?" With the, the I got, we're gonna I have got to the eat money these quickly. If you got the McRibs. We'll discuss uh, technique and follow through here in a little bit, but uh, that's the challenge, McRib challenge. <laughs> okay, we'll see you guys. Oh no, we'll see you guys here uh, next week. Um, what were, what were we singing? What were we, what were we singing? We wish you guys the merriest I of holidays. Eat all of the McRibs. All of the McRibs. Go get your McRibs. I want to see you guys. I, hashtag, hashtag Duder McRib. Selfie with the ribs. Selfie with the McRib. Yeah, selfie with know, the rib. Like, I want to see that rib sauce on your face. I want that McRib action. I want to embed. I want to see McRibs on the toilet. I want to see McRibs uh, in 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 front of the fireplace. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby. No, you can't do that. That's a totally different company, like food corporation. No, you can't do that. McDonald's baby McRib. Baby back, baby back. I want my. We're getting sued. We're actively getting sued right now. We're. I I don't know how you can do that to the show. Like put us at jeopardy. Uh, uh, I love Jeopardy. Do you play Jeopardy? Like, would you watch every, Jeopardy every, and play? Every dang time it every would come on, time I'd it's play. on television. Any t- well, we don't have cable, but any time it dang would come on, man, you know, I'd, I'd you know tune you don't in need and cable I'd watch, to watch it. Jeopardy, Dustin. Well, I've never, I've never been a seeker of Jeopardy, but if it's on, I don't change the channel. Like, if I come to it, I'm like, oh hell, hell yeah, Jeopardy, sweet. I think it comes that was around, like, around seven o'clock. If you that get was an my, antenna, yeah. you can watch it just on, I think NBC or something. It's great. And yeah. as always, the winner of the slogan contest will be announced next week. Go out and buy a McRib and an antenna for your TV, people. You'll thank us later. Click.